Welcome to the Creative South Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frostholm. My guest this week is illustrated designer and vector guru, Von Glitchka. If you aren't familiar with Von, Google him and get back to me when you run out of results. We talk about growing up in the Pacific Northwest, his first job in a screen printing shop, how he got approached by How Magazine for his first speaking gig, and his tutorial series through lynda.com. And make sure you check out the show notes for links to Von's books and other things he's done. On to the show. Vaughn, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Glad to be here. So uh, let's start off from the beginning. Uh, where'd you grow up? Are you originally from Oregon? or? Yeah, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, so uh, Washington specifically, mm-hmm. and grew up down in the capital, Olympia, so around the Puget Sound, and then... Uh, so, yeah, I grew up with Bigfoot and all that stuff that was all. <laughs> <laughs> so, so all the people who have shows on Discovery now were your neighbors. <laughs> yes. No, I, it, it's interesting because um, I've talked to a few people about this before, but, you know, it's always called the Pacific Northwest and it includes, mm-hmm. you know, Washington and Oregon. I'm not sure if Idaho is in that, but anyway. I've always looked at it as, yes, it's the Pacific Northwest, but I also refer to it as the paranormal Northwest because it's where UFO kind of subculture started. It's where the big foot thing really took root and took off. And mm-hmm. um, growing up, I was there was a show I used to watch all the time that I love called Coal Shack, the Night Stalker. And it's what inspired Chris Carter to do the X-Files, so... Huh, I don't remember that show. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Th- th- well, speaking of that, there's a. Well, I think it just, I think it just ended its series. But there's a show on Disney XD that my kids love. Um, that I just blanked on the title of as I'm trying to tell it to you. Um, that's about Pacific Northwest, and they grew up in this um, town in uh, in Oregon, and I don't know why I'm. Same. I can remember the ki- Gravity so- Falls. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I've heard yeah. that. Yeah, so it, it's a fun little show, and it it kind of speaks to what you were just talking about of the. It's an animated one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah my daughters lo- love that. Mm. But it, it was really good. It was really well done, and you know, my kids are seven, and I was, and they they love it, and you know, I I enjoyed it because there was enough adult stuff in there that was that was entertaining for me. So yeah it was it was fun to watch so um kind of getting back were you um an arty kid growing up or yeah ever since i was a little kid i've been drawing so my mom my mom's an artist so she's the one that i kind of emulated when i was younger and then Mm. growing up she was more doing i don't know if you know what toll and decorative painting is it's like you find an old antique milk Mm container and then you paint folk art all over it oh okay that's kind of what she did and it kind of sounds hokey and when i was growing up i kind of thought it was a little hokey but Mm -hmm. i look back on it now and it's pretty cool it's yeah it takes she used to do a lot of different things so she she's the one who inspired me when i was a little kid and encouraged my art and my dad, my dad's not even close to being artistic, but he grew up around it or he lived with the artists. So he kind of goes with the flow. What did he do? Um, my dad? Yeah. Oh, he was uh, like, he managed the, for the school district, he managed uh, like all the schools in the school district, all the like repairs and upkeep and that kind of stuff. So he was in charge of facilities. Yeah. What a funny, funny story about art school is I needed a job for the summer. So, um, he hired me as a security guard to drive around the schools during the summertime. (laughs) And, (laughs) and in between like doing the routes I had to do, Sure. Um, I'd be drawing and working on artwork that was due because we still had assignments that were due once we got back. And mm-hmm. uh, once again, pre-digital, we're not talking no internet, nothing like that. So 
marker comps. That's why I kind of push drawing a lot because it's just what the way I learned. Well, um, I got busy. I was doing an illustration of Wayne Gretzky actually is for an illustration mm-hmm. class and I lost track of time and <laughs> I noticed I was late. So I had to run down. It was the kind of old car that had the, it's like the stick shift is on the, the driver. Oh, the three in a tree. Yeah. And I yeah. never driven that before. So I was screwing around with that going around this one uh, school they were building at that time. Uh-huh. And decided it would be a good idea. I grew up with Dukes of Hazard, so I decided to do some <laughs> Dukes of Hazard donuts in the oh no <laughs> in the dirt, and I like totally got it stuck in the mud, and I almost had to call my dad. And finally, somebody came by, and I managed to get it out without him finding out. So, <laughs> do you ever tell uh, him that story? <laughs> no, I never have. I should. <laughs> well, he can listen to it now. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So when you got out of school, did, did you go to college? Yeah, I got, I, when I got out of, well, when I was in a high school, I actually uh-huh. wanted to go to film school. Okay. But I had no idea. I, a small town, I had no idea, like, how you did that. I didn't know how it was done. We had a career counselor. So I told mm-hmm. her, well, me and my friend are interested in going to film school. How do you do that? And she comes back a couple weeks later and like, I couldn't figure it out. I'm not sure. And so <laughs> he got a scholarship for, he got a scholarship for swimming. And I got a, uh, some lady about a week after that came in from the art institutes mm. and actually the Burnley school of art at the time. And I decided to go to art school and, mm-hmm. um, the first year I started, they got bought out by the art institutes. And so sure. it kind of transitioned over the two years. I it's actually a three year program, but I went through the mm-hmm. summer. So it only took me two years. Okay. So you spent it up. Did you study graphic design when you were in school or did you just do general stuff? Yeah. The, the course was visual communication. So it mm. focused on graphic design and advertising, uh, mm. but a little different than how a lot of schools handle it now is there wasn't a separate like course you could go through that was just specifically illustration. They just wrapped it all into one. So I kind of grew up, or I kind of was educated in a way where they just expected you drawing was just expected. They mm. didn't really expect everybody to be illustrators, but everybody had to take illustrations. So, okay. We, um, when I was in college, they had a, um, I should have in retrospect, I should have taken the illustration class, but we had an option. You could either do illustration or photography. And I took the photography class, but in retrospect, I wish I had taken the illustration well, it's never too late. No, no. Still a lot of self-study now. <laughs> yeah. I wish I was better at photography. <laughs> uh, I wish I was better at photography too. Cause uh, I mean, we didn't, it wasn't, um, there weren't that many class. There were only like three classes at the time. Now the school, um, has a full photography major, but at the time they only had three classes in it. Yeah. So. It, it would be the way it used to be is you would go to school, but then you would get a, like an apprenticeship. And mm. before you actually jumped into the working world, you'd do that for a while. And it really, unfortunately it doesn't work that way anymore. And I think that's kind of sad. Yeah. There's not nearly as many internships and full, like, like you said, apprenticeships where it's yeah. a little longer term than that. I mean, it, if you're lucky, you get a semester. Yeah. So, because I, I, I know for me, the when I got out of school, that was, I think I learned more in my first job than I did in the entire way too many years in college. <laughs> that That's true. I learned more in my first five years than I did in college. So. Yeah. So when you got out of college, what did you end up doing? Uh, well, I... I went about eight months until I found my first job. Mm-hmm. And that was at like a little, at the time there was the economy had just tanked in the, this was 1987. Um, the, I ended up, my first job was at a hole in the wall screen printer, just this little podunk place in Tacoma, Washington. And I worked there, 
worked there for a year. A friend of mine had moved back to Butte, Montana from going to the same art school I did. And at the time he would call me every Sunday and I'd read him any job openings and then he would apply to them. And I saw one job opening that I decided not to read for him because I wanted to apply for it. And Mm -hmm. I went up there and applied for it. And it was at a big sportswear company in Seattle. And I got hired there and we did like sportswear lines for Target and Kmart and the Bon Marche and all the big retail stores. So that was a lot of fun. Okay. So technically, I guess that would be my first, what I consider <laughs> real, real job. Um, Getting a paycheck for doing art and what you went to school for, kind of. <laughs> yeah, it, it was fun. I mean, it was one of the funnest places I ever worked because all there's like 25 artists in the art department and we just, mm-hmm. we'd screw around all the time. But I mean, we get our work done, but like we would all, have you ever heard of Archie McPhee's? They're like a novelty mm-hmm. they're they're a novelty company in seattle archie mcphee.com if you want to check it out and sure. you you can buy really obscure novelty stuff and so i remember one time our whole art department ordered mexican jumping beans and uh-huh. then each of us painted them what we wanted them to look like and then we would set them down on what looked like a target. So the center was the starting and then it radiated out and the outer circle was the finish line. We put all the beans in the middle, lower a lamp over it. So it'd heat them up. And then we had bet on whose bean would get out of the circles first. And we used to do, we used to do stuff like that all the time. It was really a creative environment. It was a fun place to work. It sounds like it. Um, so when you ended up kind of moving on from there, did you go out on your own then or did you go work for other places for a while? No. When I left there, I moved to Oregon and I worked at a small little design firm here in Salem um, mm-hmm. for about uh, just over six years. And mm-hmm. then um, I started looking for a new job. I was offered a job, assistant um, uh assistant art director's position at Adidas America in Portland, but I turned it down and then I worked there for another almost a year thinking, why did I turn that job down and (laughs) ended up getting a job um, in California with upper deck. And so I moved down, moved down there, worked at upper deck for a little over three years in their baseball division um, ended up working on all the sports and licensing products though. And then kind of got homesick for Oregon, mm-hmm. tired of commuting two hours each day. So I moved back to Oregon. I can't and, imagine why you would be tired of commuting. Two <laughs> yeah, hours. yeah. Yeah. That got old pretty quick. But when I got back to Oregon, I continued doing work for upper deck for the next sure. decade, for the next like 10 years until they kind of tanked. Yeah. And um, when I moved back, I worked as an art director at an agency here in town, a uh, mm-hmm. small design firm, worked there for um, a couple of years and then went out on my own. Okay. And that was in 2002 that I went out on my own. So I've been mm-hmm. running my own business since then. I mean, but in 2002, you had kind of already made a name for yourself. People knew who you were. Um, no, not really. Really? For some reason, I seem to remember hearing about you in like 98. About, I think you were doing some like tutorials on just maybe it was on your website or something. No, that would, no? Have, been, that would have been after 2002. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, my memory is horrible. <laughs> but I, I, I remember, you know, obviously it was after I got out of college and not when I was in college um, that you had a bunch of tutorials where, and there's one that sticks out to me specifically because I was trying to figure out how to do it forever was to get rounded corners on something and not have them be strokes. Oh yeah. Before they came up with that capability. Yeah. Yeah. That's back when I used to use freehand that I Uh did. I did those tutorials there. I still have them available if people want to doubt. They're all free on illustrationclass.com. But thankfully, that methodology is 
greatly improved since those oh, days. Yeah. yeah. Well, illustrators finally built it in and then you've got like astute graphics and things like that, that have that functionality that make it a lot easier for you. Yeah. So when did you kind of develop? Cause you have a, I've noticed a lot of your stuff has a very specific style and I'm looking at the piece that's like right behind you here of the kind of sunburst thing um, where it's this, you know, all these geometric shapes that make up one piece and they're all these different colors. When did you kind of start developing that style? Well, the style you're referring to here Mm -hmm. over my shoulder is um, that's just, that's kind of the style I doodle in recently. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of go through periods where I'll draw things a certain way for a period of time. Then I'll kind of get tired of it and it'll morph into something else. And, um, so that's a style I kind of just discovered by doodling. Yeah. Just doodling. And I really like it, um, because it's, it's distinctly more artistic. It's not really, I don't know, theme driven per se. I'm kind of just conceptually drawing shapes and it has its own meaning, but I don't really define it. So when you, I mean, I would imagine with some things you're, you know, you've got a specific goal in mind when you start drawing something, but are there times where you start on a project where you just kind of doodle away and it becomes something? Oh yeah. There's, that's why I I think, um, you know, just pursuing creativity for no other reason being creative is a good thing because um, what starts off as something I'm doing for no other reason than just because I think it's fun. Um, There's been many times where I discover an actual use for it within a a client project or um, I may be approached or or for that matter, not specifically me finding it as Mm -hmm. something that will work for a client project, but I'll just post it just because it's something I created and I'll get contacted by somebody and they say, hey, we really like that style. Do you think you could do this in that style? And um, so it kind of reinforces what I was told back in 2003 by a really good um, illustrator I know by the name of Craig Frazier. He told me, Mm -hmm. "You you get the work you show And so I've really kind of played off that principle a lot. It really does work. Kind of goes back to that old adage of uh, dress for the job that you want. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're doing stuff, because, you know, you have this, for lack of a better term, kind of doodle style that's going on that you're a big fan of right now, but you're really adaptable at stuff. Cause I, I, I've noticed for me, I have a, I mean, I've got a ballpark of range and it's, it's, it's a narrow wheelhouse. Yours seems to be a very broad wheelhouse where you can go from almost this painterly style of illustration um, to this highly complex style. How does that work for you? Cause I know a lot of people run into kind of blocks when it comes to that. Well, it, it kind of comes from the fact that nobody told me not to do it that way. <laughs> Um, I'd be working in a small design firm and this is when I worked for other people and we didn't have the luxury of hiring out an illustrator to do this, or we needed icons for this. And so, um, I couldn't do any style I wanted. It kind of had to align with the project I was working on and be appropriate for it. So I just kind of learned to be a chameleon and I like that because um, I don't, I can easily get bored with a certain style if I do too much of it. Like a few years mm-hmm. back, I was doing a lot of linear continuous line stuff for pharmaceutical companies and insurance mm-hmm. companies and, um, a new housing developed marketing campaign I worked on it. And after working on it for four months, I'm going, okay, can we, can I get some other work that has different styles in it? <laughs> I never want to draw this again. One of those. <laughs> yeah. And so that's, that's kind of why I do it. It also means um, when it comes to illustration, too many people who would classify themselves as distinctly just illustrators, not designers, uh, they tend to have uh, what I call a Norman Rockwell mentality where it has to, they have to work in one style 
and that's what they're known for. And um, basically, in my opinion, I think they limit their potential by doing that. I think it's smart to, I always tell anybody, I told my daughter this, for example, um, she graduated last August and I told her before she even started the program, I go, look, I know you love to draw. I know you like to illustrate, but you need to learn how to become a good designer. And then you can leverage those illustrative aspects in a wider range of things. Don't just focus sure. as being an illustrator, you know, exercise both those skill sets. So, um, I do it because I get it allows me to work on a greater range of projects and that's more entertaining than a finite amount. Yeah, you get a lot less burnout that way too, I would imagine. Yeah, I try to, although I <laughs> be honest with you, right now I'm kind of burnt out. I can't wait for Creative South because I really need that break. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh seeing you down there. Um so kind of transitioning that and since you brought up Creative South you know, I know you've spoken at Creative South a couple times, but you've done a lot of other speaking. How did you get into that? Because that's, you know, <laughs> for most designers tend to be fairly introverted and not want the spotlight and um, all that shine on them. And- it, it goes back to pre-social media. Um, the How Design had a forum mm-hmm. and people would post on the forum questions about any given thing like, logo design or how to deal with a bad client, what you name it, it was all over uh, the gamut in terms of uh, what the topic was. But I would, at least at that time, this goes back about 2003, 2004. Mm -hmm. um, You know, I would spend a little time on the, the forum and I would answer from, you know, my knowledge base at that time I had been working for about, a little right around 15 years. So I just Mm -hmm. started answering some of the questions and sharing stuff. And um, I got contacted by a lady who was part of the board for an ad fed group. And she asked Mm -hmm. me if I'd be interested in speaking and uh, her name's Dawn. And I was like, speaking about what, you know, (laughs) (laughs) well, you know, just, you can, just come up with whatever you want. Just talk to a bunch of designers. And I'd never done that before. And I'm like, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> and, and I'm like you said, I'm until people really get to know me, I'm pretty, pretty quiet and reserved. But as soon as I'm comfortable with you, that's when I'll start getting sarcastic and any, anything goes. So, um, <laughs> I, I did that, and even though it was kind of scary the first time, it was mm-hmm. it was pretty fun. I enjoyed it, and um, it wasn't too long after that that is through the same forum that I kind of got my first book deal through How, and it was because one of their editors posted, "What kind of books would you like to see?" and and I had a text file where. I would come up with these book ideas and I just write them in the text file and I just save that text file. And I just posted a few of those in the forum and she emailed me and said, Hey, I really like these two ideas. Could you write up a proposal and give it to me and then I'll pitch it for you. And so I did and she picked one. And um, because I did that, they asked me if I'd be interested in speaking at the how conference and, Mm-hmm. Um, I did that for the first time in 2008 and, um, that was really, really intimidating because the most I'd ever, the biggest crowd I'd ever spoken to is about 35, 40 people, maybe <laughs> to go and, to a couple thousand. <laughs> yeah. I didn't expect that. I did. I actually, I'd never been to a how conference. Uh, well, no, I take it back. I was at one before that, but I thought it was just going to be a little session thing. It wasn't going to be a big deal. So I sit in the front row, not even turn around looking people coming in. And then they say, okay, come up, speak. I walk up there and it's the main auditorium and it's packed. There's like 700 people there. And I, I was like sweating bullets, like for the first five minutes until I finally kind of calmed down and, um, as soon as I got him laughing, I knew it was going to be okay. So, <laughs> well, at um, least you didn't go full deer in the headlights and just freeze up. <laughs> no, 
No. That, I think that would be worse. That's always my fear of I'll end up just like completely blanking on what I was going to say. Although, um, although I had a, I spoke at, um, I distinctly remember speaking at Lincoln, Nebraska at an AIGA event. Mm-hmm. And it was right when Mad Men had come on the scene. Yeah. And, yeah. and I was all over it. I love Mad Men. I love the whole. But a lot of people still didn't really, even designers didn't really know what it was about. And mm-hmm. so I created, they wanted us to share some of our portfolio and talk about it. And so I decided to work in a project as if I did it for, um, what was their name? Cooper? Sterling Cooper. Yeah. yeah, whatever. So I put this stupid LP album up there from that time period. Mm-hmm. And it's just really dorky looking. And I'm talking about it as if it's a real project. And then I mentioned, you know, uh, Don Draper being the cream drag. Nobody got it. It's oh, like no. the, nobody got the Nobody even understood it was a joke. They just... They were just looking at this really bad design going, you did that, huh? <laughs> I'm going, I'm going, okay, how many people here have heard of uh, Mad Men? Like one person puts up their hand. I go, okay, next slide. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that would be my fear. That would be my other fear of just everything I say that is funny in my head is going to fall just flat because the audience doesn't get it. Yeah, I thought that was going to be hilarious. And it was like crickets. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that more people didn't get that, especially at something like that. Well, I think it was a, a little too early. I, if I would have waited a year, it probably would have gone over a little better. You would you would have killed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, since you mentioned the books, how many books have you done now? Because I've got Vector Basics, which I need to thank you for since – or you and Dave Clayton for since I won that from y'all. Cool. I didn't know you'd won that. Um, yeah. I've done six books. Okay. Um, mo- all of them with the exception of uh, the vector basic training or what I would call like resource books, like the sure. take a make book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's my way of littering the industry with my artwork. So, and all this sprung out from that how forum where you were throwing up just kind of ideas. Well, the, the how books did take well, a the make. How books. Yeah. Take a Make is a different publisher. I had right. actually pitched it to How, um, but they weren't interested, so I went with um, a new writer. Mm-hmm. How do you go about researching? And I mean, I know a lot of it's just built on you've been working on it for years, but how do you go about researching things? Because I can't, I don't imagine you can use all of the features that you talk about on a regular basis. So, what what features? Like what? Like when you're specifically with like vector basics, you know, you kind of oh, walk gotcha. through the different tools and things like that. Is how, that research process of writing a book, building a book, getting that narrative where it goes along so it makes sense? And that that the book was it was painful to put the first edition together only because I'd never truly written a book like that before, mm-hmm. and I had to get used to the publisher's own self-prescribed protocol for how to do that. And that was painful because I had to use Microsoft Word. I didn't want to use that. And anyway, I got through that okay. But in terms of the content itself and how everything flows together and works, it, it really was just putting to word what I already did naturally in terms mm. of my my, the process I go through and how I think. And, um, I, you know, I gleaned a lot of the things that I use on a daily basis by working with other people who are, who are frankly smarter than me when it comes to managing clients and, um, you know, um, developing a creative brief. I just saw how they did it and I go, wow, that's really smart. I'm going to adapt that method because, and I just started keeping eyes on those things over the years and um, kind of Frankensteining it together into what I could call my own methodology. So what's that Austin Klein book, uh, steal like an artist. Yeah. It's much like (laughs) that, especially the, the creative brief. I I get creative briefs from agencies all the time and I read through those and some of the things they, okay, here's a funny story. So um, 
this goes back a few years, but it was before Wendy's released their new branding. And mm-hmm. so I was working with the agency as one of the designers exploring a new Wendy's um, uh, character design. And they wanted to, and usually when an agency does that, I'm one of probably five different designers working on a specific direction in a specific style so mm-hmm. that that agency can turn around, go to Wendy's and say, here's five iterations, which one do you want to go with? Mm-hmm. And when I was working on that and I was reading their, their style guide for the Wendy's character, they had like five pages just about her ponytails. Just like, wow. is, it a, is it a piggy tail? Is it a ponytail? What? It shouldn't be too aggressive. You know, all these little nuances. What is, to, what is, an, what is an aggressive ponytail? Well, I know. that <laughs> I was just cracking up that they could get that in-depth about um, a hairstyle. But um, so reading through all these creative briefs, briefs, I see different questions they ask. And some of them are really really um, um, compelling and I think work really well. Other ones are like, well, that's kind of a no-brainer. But so um, that's kind of where I I derive. I just took what I thought was the best and simplified it. So the creative brief I give my clients is pretty simplified and condensed. Frankenstein together and then cleaned up and yeah, it's just I've I've refined the questions over sure. the years based off of how people usually respond. Um, I just realized a couple of weeks ago, I had one client who read the brief and filled it out. And from her point of view, she did it accurately. And I thought she did it accurately, only to find out that when I delivered the design directions, mm-hmm it wasn't the company she wanted me to design the logo for. And, and I'm going, okay, how'd this happen? And I go back and I saw that there is, there was a way she could read something and think something opposite of what I meant. And uh-huh. so that told me I had to go back and revise. I mean, nobody else had ever done that in the past seven years, but yeah. Um, but the minute one person does, that means there's yeah, something wrong. Exactly. So yeah, that, that, Ooh, that's, yeah, I'm trying to figure out how you would approach that. <laughs> yeah, I just said, look, I sorry. Yeah. <laughs> A reboot. Let's let's try that again. Let's start over again. Yeah. That eh, makes sense. Yeah, mistakes happen. Everybody's human. So coming from these books, now you've kind of moved into as well doing courses for like lynda.com and have you done other ones? I can't remember if you have or not. For Linda? Well, not just for Linda, but for like other companies and stuff. No, but they've all been trying to get me to do it. I just, I just enjoy doing what I do for Linda. They make it easy. I like the process, and um, I don't really have anything else to add other than what I've been doing for them anyway. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of, I, I'm kind of. Um, how do I put it? Um, I don't have a non-disclosure agreement, but. I, I really admire what they do and how they do it. And um, I kind of want to honor that. You, you've got your own sense of loyalty that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So did that come about from those books though, that relationship with Linda? Well, the way it happened is um, years ago, there's a guy by the name of Morty Golding. He used to head up the illustrator team at Illust- at Adobe uh, he left, went out on his own, had a couple conferences, wrote books about um, Illustrator, and then he asked me to design the cover for his his last two books that he ended up writing. Sure. Um, and I did that, and um, those were fun. And I got to know Morty, and I would when when I have problems with Illustrator, I email Morty, and he, I like to say he knows more about illustrator than Adobe does. And so he's, (laughs) he's always answering my questions. And so he approached me because he was hired by Linda to head up their content for the design channel. Mm -hmm. And he asked me if I'd be interested in doing it. And at the time I had a contract for another book sitting in front of me, but I was loathing thinking about doing another book. Uh Uh-huh. 
And so I turned that down and told them I would do it. So I've been doing it since then. That was 2011, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, it's fun. I enjoy it. I really enjoy the people I work with there. Um, the producer's awesome. I've gotten to know the director. He's a big Lebowski fan like me. So we're always <laughs> doing big Lebowski references when we're shooting a course. It's fun. <laughs> so when you shoot those, and this is completely um, a completely self-important um, question. Not self-important. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Uh, self-serving question. Do you ever get used to talking to not really anyone? Well, I'm staring at the producer and director, so it's kind of like I'm talking uh, so to them. So you feel like you have an audience. Yeah. And the way they are scripted of sorts in that I write what I'm going to say, but I write it in a way as if I'm just talking to somebody. Sure. And um, uh, the teleprompter is kind of cool. I mean, it's actually right in front of the camera lens Mm -hmm. and it shoots through it. So um, it makes it somewhat easy not to say I, I I still screw up a lot sometimes but the magic of editing yeah but it's it's the whole process is really really fun though um i enjoy it 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 looks fun it um because and i asked that question because when i have to do intros for this show that's my hardest part for me because i I do write it out just so i have a guideline to go by and you know i i I can vary from it when i'm talking but it's it's very and I'm sh- I'm hoping this will come with practice. It's it it's hard a lot of times to not sound like you're reading something. Yeah, and when I'm doing like the screencast where I'm inside Illustrator and I'm doing whatever, um, I don't write scripts for those. I write what I just call talking points. I just want to make sure to hit on certain things, mm-hmm. and then I just talk as if I'm sharing the screen with a friend. I I don't. Because if I write a script, it's like I just sound like a stupid robot. So um, <laughs> I just talk as if I'm talking to somebody and they're watching something over my shoulder. You know? Yeah, that, that's what I'm always worried about is sounding like a stupid robot. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't mean, I didn't mean to say you're you no, like I, a robot. I, I, I think I do a good job of not sounding like a robot, <laughs> but I'm always worried when I'm like greeting. I was like, because it'll take me like a half an hour to record a minute and a half intro. Yeah. <laughs> just going over it and over it again till I get to the point where I don't sound like I'm reading it or yeah. don't sound, you know, robotic and stiff and all that. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, when I was recording the last time I was down there, uh, I was, I was just talk cause I'm talking off the cuff. Nothing is scripted when I'm doing that. And I said some like, wow, this really sucks. And, <laughs> and I hear the producer in my headphones, okay, we need to rephrase that. <laughs> and I go, <laughs> I go, what? You can't say sucks. Don't say that. Say, I go, oh, jeez, oh, whatever. Okay. So it's kind of. Sucks is what they're worried about? Well, I don't think it. Oh, crap. I said crap. I think uh, is what it was. Still. And I go, oh, okay, whatever. So. I guess if they're worried about that 10-year-old audience that's uh, doing the classes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> another time. Um, I was doing something and I show an example of the art to demonstrate mm-hmm. some, some methodology or whatever. And it was, a, a illustration I did of Mickey, the rat, like it was part of my version of the subculture comic strip from when I was growing up yeah. and he's holding this huge knife and there's blood everywhere. And, and I just start talking about it and, and I hear my headphones, it's Brett, the producer. He's going, uh, no. I go, I go, what? And he goes, yeah, we can't show that. And I go, why? He's going, well, you have a knife and it has blood everywhere. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even think of that. And so, because there, there's, there's rules. You can't, you can't, uh, no sex, drugs, or violence. So, uh, that's, that's basically their, where they draw the line. So, okay. this is a little too violent of a Mickey for their taste. So, so if you watch that course, you'll see that Mickey, but uh-huh. his hand will be raised up in a fist and it used to have a knife in it. So it just looks <laughs> like, I don't know, like he's just raising his fist up. So You're about to go to a concert and yeah. 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 
That's funny. I'll have to go back and look at that because I think I've done that class. <laughs> so, you know, kind of moving past that, you you know, you've you've done the speaking, you've written several books, you've done the courses with Linda. But I notice you you seem to always have or at least from talking to you in the Slack channel and things like that, you always seem to be kind of learning stuff too. Where does, where does that come from? I, I don't watch a whole lot of TV. I'd Uh rather, I'd rather spend time um, just drawing or trying something rather than watching TV. So that's probably where a lot of my time to do that comes from. Mm -hmm. Um, That said, if I'm working, I might, be watching. Uh, I kind of like to let a TV series run its course mm-hmm. and then I'll binge watch on Netflix, you know? So um, I kind of put off watching Breaking Bad because I tried to watch the first season on iTunes uh, years mm-hmm. ago, but um, something about anti-heroes I can't get into. And so I'd never finished watching that first season. And my youngest daughter said, dad, you got to watch it. You just, just give it a chance. You're going to like it. And so now I'm, I'm almost done with it and it's pretty cool. I I did that last year is I, I heard about it well after it had started and I felt like I was too far behind to really watch it. And then I got sick and I mean, it wasn't like a, but it was like home for two days sick. And there was nothing to watch. It's, you know, that and daytime television. and didn't feel like doing anything. So I just put it on and like binge through the entire thing before I knew it. There's some, so, um, um, what was I going to say? Oh, the, the uh, I forget how many years ago it was maybe two or three years ago. My avatar on Twitter looked very Heisenbergish. It's just a goatee, glasses, and this pork pie hat that I have. And I did that years ago when I was asked to speak down in Louisiana at their ad fed. Their their group down in Lafayette is black, and that kind of um, golden yellow is their colors branded for that local uh, chapter. Mm. And so I just adapted their color scheme and created this simplified graphic and it just happened to be that the next year when Breaking Bad came out, they had bought in to a look that was just like it. And so everybody, I kept getting asked over for a two-year period, oh, I can see you played off like the Breaking <laughs> Bad thing. I'm going, what? I don't even know what you're talking about, you know, but I, nope, sorry, I did that before Breaking Bad. So yeah, parallel thought does happen. Yep. <laughs> Though I guess yours was ahead of time, so it's not really parallel. <laughs> so, um, well, you know, kind of looking in the future, what do you have coming up? Um, well, I, I guess it's okay to announce it here. Um, uh, I'm not sure when this is going to be released, but um, uh, either end of April, beginning of May. Okay. My daughter graduated last um, August, and uh, she's becoming my first employee. So Glitchka Studios is going to in double in size, and uh, <laughs> she's she's already been working with me on several projects uh, in a freelance capacity um, over the last year or so, and mm-hmm. she's going to be working with me on a daily basis moving forward. So I'm kind of excited about that. Gotcha. And you have two kids? Uh, two girls, yeah. Two girls. And what's uh, – so Savannah's the one who's coming to work for you, right? Yes. So I'm remembering she, <laughs> she will. She's coming to Creative South with me as well, so. I, I, I remember that. I was updating the lists last night. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. Um, so that's probably the only reason I remembered her name. <laughs> um. So is, is your uh, other daughter as creative as uh, y'all or is she going in a uh, different vein? She's creative in her own right. And mm-hmm. even though she wouldn't say she can draw that well, I think she she can. She's just um, she just doesn't have the passion to do it like my other daughter, Savannah. But mm-hmm. um, she's when 
my youngest daughter, Alyssa is her name. Um, she has a great sense of humor, so she's always cracking me up. <laughs> cool. So, so Savannah's coming on board, um, which is cool. Get to work with your daughter. So, uh, how, how are you going to handle being her boss? Though I guess as a parent, well, I don't know. If you're anything like me, your kids are in charge. <laughs> I I told her the other day we were driving back to the house, and I said, "You do realize that as of next month." Technically, I'm the man now. <laughs> You're working for the man, and I'm the man. <laughs> she, she didn't. She didn't think that was funny. She didn't find um, the humor in that as much as you, huh? <laughs> no. And I told her, genetically speaking, I own the copyright on everything she creates. <laughs> she didn't. She came back to me on that one and said, "Well, that means Grandma owns all your artwork." <laughs> and I go, "Okay." That's, That's a, a good, good comeback. Point. Good point. <laughs> can't can't argue with that one. <laughs> so, is there anything else coming down the pipe other than uh, Savannah coming to work for you? Um, I'm working on a, a cool kind of promo for Nina Paper for the upcoming How Design Conference that we're just starting on now. That's mm-hmm. uh, going to be cool. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to working on that and just your standard uh, branding projects that we're working on now. One of my um, uh, kind of a passion project for me has been uh, rebranding my favorite uh, podcast. um, And that's going to be rolling out here pretty soon. Um, uh, So, so what are some of your favorite podcasts? Oh, there's, I don't want to give it away. So, well, I can't, I, I'm not showing anything. So I guess I can <laughs> say it. Um, my favorite podcast is one called the futility closet. And I've heard of that one. Yeah. What they do is they go back and they just review obscure, sometimes strange off the wall history that uh-huh. you, you either never heard of or people have just forgotten about. And it's really it's just fun. It's fun to listen to. My whole family will listen to it when we're in the car driving somewhere. And, um, it's just really well done. It's done by a guy and his wife and, uh, they do a good job. And, um, I got a, he just happened to email me one day and asked if I'd be interested. And, and I, and so I said, heck yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, it's fun. Cool. Well, and you did the cover uh, art for this uh, podcast, which I greatly appreciate because it's awesome looking. So thank you. And and speaking, remember how we spoke earlier about mm-hmm. kind of creatively exploring? Well, that was a style I, I hadn't worked in a whole lot. And mm-hmm. I had done something for somebody who needed an avatar using that style. And so I did it for the cover of this podcast and it's actually the style that I'm going to be using, um, for the Nina promotion I'm doing. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, we get to be the first ones to see it then. That's uh that's awesome. So, um, real quickly before I release you into the wilds, where can people find you online? Um, my website, glitchkastudios.com. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have everything that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Um, just a little, sneak peek if you want to see glimpses of things that will eventually appear on my site um if you follow my instagram i tend to post process pictures of things i'm working on cool and uh, where what are you on are you just von glitchka on instagram i believe it's v glitchka i was about to ask or is it vonster yeah well i tried to get vonster but somebody else said now that there's a pro football player it's I'm glad I got Vonster domain years ago because everything <laughs> Vonster is being taken up by that guy. Hey, you yeah. can make some money off that now. <laughs> That's right. I got, Hey, I own Vonster.com. Yeah. One sell, million. It's yours. I was about to say, sell it back to him for a million. You can uh, pay off the, your kid's college and <laughs> the house I, and all that stuff. <laughs> I do that in a heartbeat. I, <laughs> I'm only using it for forwarding and email right now. So that'd be great. Awesome. Well, cool. Well, thank you for taking the time to uh, talk to me. Um, We end 
every podcast by saying, go out and hug some necks. So would you mind taking us out? Say what? (laughs) I didn't catch that. What? No. (laughs) (laughs) uh, So we end every podcast by saying, go out and hug some necks. Hug some uh, necks. Yeah. (laughs) Is that a Southern term? Uh, It's what Mike says all the time. Okay. I always wondered, what does that mean exactly? I I don't know. I'm a Midwest kid. It's uh, he, he kind of explained it to me. It's it's kind of a Southern growing up in the Baptist church thing. It's you know when you go to church and it's like turn around and greet your neighbor. It's the I guess the uh, pastor would always say you know turn around and hug some necks. Okay, <laughs> I like it. That's yeah. fair enough. So, he, so uh, yeah, if you if you ever notice, he says it a lot at Creative South. Well, I saw a medallion he, he created with that mm-hmm. on it, and I didn't understand what it meant. Yeah, but. the challenge coin that he made? Yes. Yeah, yeah. those are cool. Well, cool. Well, I look forward to uh, seeing you next week at uh, Creative South, and thank you again for taking the time to talk to me. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And for all those listening, um, I just encourage you to start drawing, and if, if you don't, and stick with it. It's a skill you'll use for a lifetime. Awesome. Thanks, Vaughn. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in this week. You can find more of Vaughn's work at glitchkastudios.com or follow him at Vaughnster on Dribble and Twitter. Check out the show notes for more links to his stuff. You can keep up with the podcast and Creative South on Twitter and Instagram at CreativeSouthGA or over at CreativeSouthGA.com. And I'm Jay Frostholm on Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you like the Creative South podcast, head over to iTunes or Stitcher, rate us and leave a review. This helps more people find the podcast and allows us to keep getting awesome guests. Now go out and hug some necks.